0: Welcome back to the 5am Puzzle Podcast. I'm here with my Uncle Ken, who is the Executive Vice President at Bojangles. So first, I want to let him kind of go through his childhood and how you got into business. So what was it like for you growing up? Did you always have an interest in being um, into whether it's real estate or business or entrepreneurship?
1: Uh. I, I honestly know it. it's something I learned when I was in high school. I think I developed an interest when I was in high school. I, I was, uh, you know, I would say pretty normal growing up. I, I, I did have three paper outs at one time and, you know, hustled a fair bit, uh, you know, saving money and whatnot. The, the the thing that really got me started is uh, I, I had those three paper outs um i got a job at 15. i made a dollar 35 an hour jack a dollar 35 an hour my first job and i was glad to get it um but i saved every paycheck i put it away the secret to money is uh, or earning money and being successful is to save your money early so that you have more of it and it can work for you later uh but i i saved a lot of my money and um i started getting interested in real estate and i read a bunch of real estate books Uh, there was a a book called nothing down at the time. And the whole idea is that you could buy real estate with nothing down. Uh, Robert Allen was the author. It's a, you know, old book now, probably not, you know, not too popular. But, uh, so I got interested in the idea of it and uh, I pitched the idea to my dad of buying an apartment building and he wasn't too in favor of it. But, uh, long story short, we went and looked at a bunch of buildings. I was, um, I was 18. And, uh, we, we went under contract, uh, well, uh, before my 19th birthday, I bought it. It was, um, like a month and a half after my 19th birthday, I bought my first apartment building, a four unit building in Chicago with my dad. Uh, I bought two thirds of it and he bought one third of it because I had saved more money than he did at that point in time.
0: <laughs> so did you just stumble upon the idea of real estate or did someone introduce it to you?
1: Kind of stumbled on it. Um, you know, I can't remember anybody specifically introducing it to me. It was something. So, so here was my core motivation. Uh, the thing that got me to save and wanted why I wanted to invest in the first place. I watched my dad growing up and I watched the pressure that he was under all the time to pay bills. Uh, we live in a typical house. My mom uh, was, uh, you know, uh, at home mom and and homemaker and so it was a one income family and um, you know my dad worked very hard didn't make a ton of money but he worked his entire life to pay off the mortgage of our house that was that was his dream that was his parents dream his grandparents you know that was sort of the mindset of people so my thought process is always how could I beat the system some way it seemed like my dad was a good man and a smart man and he worked very hard but He seemed to work an awful lot, like he was a prisoner to that mortgage. And it took a toll on him. I mean, I I saw what it meant to him to have to always have that pressure. and He wasn't um, always happy, and he carried this stress, and he, you know, worked like a dog and everything. And so I wanted to find a way to to not have to pay uh, a mortgage. So I thought if I bought an apartment building and I could live in the apartment building and have others pay rent, that I would be ahead of the game. So I saved my pennies, uh, bought that apartment building um, uh, before I started college, actually, or about the same time I started college. I graduated high school a semester early and went right into college. So technically when everyone else is finishing their senior year, I was already in college when I bought this apartment building. Uh, So I did all that before my graduation would have normally have taken place. yeah, so it was really um, learning from my parents, but I wanted to have a life where I didn't have that strain and stress all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like, my key motivation.
0: So where did you go to college?
1: I went to Northeastern Illinois University on the northwest side of the city. It cost me $265 a semester. I paid myself. My parents couldn't help. Didn't have the money. Uh, so I paid. I paid to go there myself. Uh, I graduated in in, uh, a little over three years and um, uh, lived at home. I worked full-time. I worked uh, 60 hours a week uh, at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, and I was uh, the night manager at the coffee shop there. So I would go to school during the day, and then about three o'clock or so, I would head over to the Hyatt Regency, and I managed the uh, coffee shop there. Uh, Till about midnight, get home, try to do homework or, you know, homework and study in between as best I could. Uh, And, uh, and, you know, try to have a little bit of a social life in between. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I worked my tail off and um, I got through. I I was the first one in my family to uh, graduate college. Uh, And, um, uh, you know, I didn't really have a specific plan. I got a, a business degree, but no real specific plan. And I've, I learned you know a thought for, for, um, for young people and, and something I believe very much that helped me and that I really sort of um, encourage my kids to do, which is to work while you're in school because I think you learn, I learn, and I think anybody can learn just as much by going to work every day as you can by going to school only. Uh, And I think so if you go to school and go to work, you're actually doubling your learning curve. And um, I learned by the jobs that I had, that I had a sort of a natural instinct about business and that making money made sense to me. Like it was a way to keep score. Uh, So I like sports. I like winning. I like knowing where I stand. I like keeping score and I like knowing how to win. And so Making money was really nothing more than a way to keep score. I actually, my major in college was uh, political science, and uh, I thought I wanted to be like a city manager, like the city of Naperville has a city manager. And I did a, a work um, internship uh, in, a, in the city of Glenview uh, for the city manager, and I hated it. <laughs> it was the most boring thing in the world. And the key thing I learned was they have no profit motive. So I I asked, you know, I asked the city manager, I'm like, well, how do you guys know how you're doing, you know, and, and whether this is, you're doing a good job or a not good job and, you know, kind of how do you measure your success? And the whole thing was about serving the public and, um, you know, kind of the notion of collecting taxes and, you know, uh, and just, you know, kind of the, the lack of a profit motive really, um, it just didn't register for me. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is not for me. I got to do something where profit is involved because I get that it's, you know, it was kind of instinctive. So, um, so yeah, so I worked at the Hyatt and um, when I got out of college, I just, uh, I kept going there. You know, I'd already had like four years of experience in management um, and you know, I, I, I was in high, in high school and early days of college, I was working with other guys that had, you know, college degrees and, in hotel and restaurant administration and whatnot. And, and um, I knew more than they did because they had the book smarts, but I had actually been doing it all that time. Mm-hmm. So when I got out, it was you know, pretty easy for me to get a job uh, in, in, in the hotel business and then, you know, move on from
0: there. And I'm sure being able to go to school and work at the same time probably taught you an awful lot about sacrifice and being able to sacrifice your time with others in order to get that gain ahead people, especially at a um, early time and age. And I'm sure that you understood that you were different than your peers throughout high school and college. But what do you think really set yourself apart um, when, you were going, when you put yourself through college and you graduated early and you're able to start working right away? What was the difference, you think?
1: Uh, I wasn't afraid to work hard. Um, you know, and I, I, I always have this, this saying, I, you know, I, I tell uh, my kids, sometimes my nephews, you got to want it bad enough. Mm -hmm. And I think a defining distinctive characteristic in life, um, is you got, you got to want something bad enough. You got to give it your all. You can't mail it in. You can't give part Mm -hmm. effort, uh, whatever that thing is, you know, it doesn't matter. And so, uh, I, I, for me, I, I wanted to get through, I wanted to get into the real world. Uh, I, I wanted to, to finish. I wanted to uh, work full time I wanted to begin my life I felt like if I could get through college a year early that was like a bonus year that I got that you know I was a year ahead of everybody else and uh, and I could get going uh, and so I wasn't afraid to work hard uh, I, I probably uh, was the most organized and disciplined person at that age that you would run into it's just incredibly good at time management, you know, juggling. Uh, so to graduate early, I obviously took a, ex, you know, a heavier course load. And so uh, while I was working 60 hours a week, so, you know, minutes matter, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. waste time on anything. Um, and I still dated and, you know, did all the normal things that people do. Um, but uh, I just had to uh, really focus on managing time. That was probably the single biggest thing I did.
0: So... I understand that you, you work for McDonald's, you work for these big companies. How did you get your foot in the door? How'd you, uh, get to those next levels? Where did it go from there?
1: Yeah, great question. So I always think that one of the harder things to do is to go from sort of like, uh, um, uh, you know, a college education mode to a, a career path. And, uh, So things that give you sort of an on-ramp are key. So for me, I was already in the restaurant business, uh, you know, inside of hotels. And uh, I wanted to get out of the hotel business. uh, So I went, uh, I transferred uh, into the purchasing department at the Hyde Regency Chicago down on Wacker Drive. And I learned all kinds of things about purchasing, supply chain management, logistics, inventory management, quality control, and the like. And that gave me an experience, that gave me a skill that was valuable to other businesses. And so I had my college degree, I had working experience in, the, in that space. And so uh, I started interviewing for jobs, and I ended up with a company uh, called uh, Proseco, which was a supplier to McDonald's. And uh, so that's that, that the food and beverage experience, the restaurant management experience, and my business degree combined. Uh, were a skill set that, you know, that was attractive. I was hired as a, you know, a buyer, kind of a fairly junior position. I was the 18th person at that company. It was a very small company and they did all kinds of purchasing services uh, for McDonald's. But I, the back of my mind, I thought, well, this is potentially a, um, a way to get into McDonald's somehow, right? Because mm-hmm. this is a all they did was McDonald's. They didn't do anything else. So very quickly, early on, I had tons of exposure to the people at McDonald's and then they ended up recruiting me uh, into McDonald's after they got to know me. So, you know, I worked my way up in this small company. I ended up running the, the supply chain function for them, which was pretty much what they did. Uh, and then uh, McDonald's recruited me as a director in their uh, supply chain department. So it was kind of like the Restaurant experience to supply chain at Hyatt got me into Perseco, which got me uh, into McDonald's.
0: So you said earlier that like you don't really have a plan out of college. You just said you wanted to work and you wanted to make money and save. Did you, did it come to a point where you realized, okay, I have to have a plan here and a goal here in order to get to the next step? Did that ever develop? Uh,
1: I would say from a career path standpoint, I, I, my, uh, I wasn't, quite so planned I was more wanting the sense of growth and progress you know I wanted to constantly have new challenges and sense that things were growing and and happening for me uh I'm not uh I wasn't then and I'm not now somebody that likes to jump around and you know go to a lot of different places I think the world is a little different today you know for your generation I think honestly you Mm -hmm. probably need to do that a little bit more uh you know that was less true when i was your age um but uh i definitely uh i i, I was in a situation where you know every couple of years i was getting a promotion so really i had no reason to to look anywhere else or go anywhere else it was like if i did my job well good things kept happening you know and so uh that 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 was great and on the other hand i kept saving money So I kept buying more apartment buildings, you know, so there was sort of this virtuous cycle where I was getting rewarded at work for doing a good job. I was making more money. I was saving faster. The more I saved, the more apartment buildings I bought. So I ended up buying, I forget now, I was like, I want to say seven, maybe it was eight apartment buildings, you know, throughout my twenties. And then I started selling the small ones and buying big ones, you know, so I would sell three flats and four flats and I'd buy 10 and 12 flats and, you know, sort of, you know, uh, upgrade. So I had, you know, I had, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 apartments that, you know, and I lived in one, I did all my maintenance and all -hmm. the management I rented to apartments. I mean, I was the busiest guy in the world on Saturday morning because I had so much work to do on Saturdays.
0: I heard a story from my dad saying that you used to get a big old ladder on the the top of your car because at any moment you had to go uh, do some maintenance of the different apartment buildings, which is crazy.
1: Well, so I uh, actually, um, I had a Toyota uh, Tercel, which is a really, really, really small Toyota. They don't even make them anymore. And the ladder was, I still have the ladder. It's my grandfather's wooden ladder, two 16 foot sections. And the ladder was about four feet longer than the car. And the roof of the car was too small to, you know, it would be too tipsy to, so, uh, so it was too hard to heft it up there and everything like that. So I would uh, slide the ladder under the car, and I would tie it underneath the car and I would drive around the streets of Chicago. (laughs) And Sometimes, you know, there's humps in the middle and I would, you know, like the, the, the ladder would scrape on the, on the road and stuff like that. But I would just tie it to the bumpers underneath the car <laughs> and drive it. Cause I had all these apartment buildings and if I had to do any, you know, third floor work, windows, mm-hmm. roofs, or gutters or anything like that, I had to get up high. So yeah, I held the ladder around like that.
0: So how many units do you think you had like in your late twenties, would you say?
1: Uh, somewhere in the middle fifties. I want to say I was, you know, had some big buildings, still had some Mm -hmm. small buildings. I lived in um, uh, one of the buildings all on the Northwest side of the
0: city. So did you continue uh, your real estate education and uh, your experience within uh, that industry throughout your time growing and getting into these different companies?
1: Yeah. I always uh, considered it my hobby, you know, so, uh, so I always, Tried to learn more the further I got into it. You know, there was, uh, uh, you know, whether it was uh, the management side of it, the leasing side of it, the financing side of it, the maintenance side of it, there was always more and more to learn. I, a lot of these buildings were older, you know, so there was always things to do. Um, so I ended up going and getting my real estate license at one point in time. I hit a, a flat spot in my career. I had a friend that I uh, had met up with uh, in, that. Uh, had his own real estate office in the city. And uh, so we had talked about maybe opening a, you know, an office together in partnership or something like that. He said, well, the first thing you got to do is go get your license. So I went and got my, my real estate license. um, And uh, we ended up, you know, not opening an office together, but I kept my license the whole time because it allowed me to get access to information. And uh, that was incredibly important, you know, to see what was on the market, what was for sale, what had sold, what the prices were, when they were bought, when they were sold, and all that stuff just help you to, you know, to really understand, um, you know, what was going on. So yeah, I made it, you know, it wasn't, I never considered it work. It was always, uh, and remains to this day, it Mm -hmm. remains my hobby, it's it's fun.
0: So do you still um, upkeep that real estate license? Do you still have to take those like exams to keep it up to date?
1: Yeah, there's continuing ed requirements. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember if it's every two or three years I have to take tests and things like that to keep my license renewed. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, do you think that there was any really pivotal points in your career, or was it just a slow gradual rise in your in your eyes?
1: Well, there were definitely pivotal points. Um, uh, so, when I worked at the Hyatt uh, Regency O'Hare, I was uh, I started there uh, in I was maybe. Well, I'll back up. One pivotal point, I was working in a car wash, an outdoor car wash. I was, I think, maybe 16 years old, and, uh, and it was January, and it was, I mean, it was literally painfully cold. You couldn't wear gloves because you are handling money and you're washing cars and stuff, and my hands were, I mean, they would come home and they would ache, and so the first thing I decided is I'm going to work indoors. I'm not built to work outdoors. So mm-hmm. that's how I ended up at the Hyatt uh, Regency, And then um, another pivotal moment is uh, we had uh, a bunch of people that ended up leaving for one reason or another. And, uh, you know, I was always a dependable guy, very conscientious. I did extra things. I not only did what I was supposed to do, I took the time to learn other things. So I went back in the kitchen and learned how to cook. I would help the the cooks out in, in prepping things. Uh, I would take on projects in the kitchen, take apart equipment that nobody had ever deep cleaned before. So the manager of the place noticed all this and they had all these people leaving. And he asked me, I was 17 years old. He asked me if I owned a, a coat and tie and I didn't, but I said, my dad did. I could probably borrow one of his. We were more or less the same size. So he said, good. Next Saturday, when you come to work, wear a coat and tie. So uh so I wore my dad's coat and tie and I was the sort of uh emergency weekend manager uh for both Saturday and Sunday at the age of 17. So I was the youngest I was the youngest guy in the place. You know, there was everybody else, they were you know all adults, mostly full time. Uh but I was the manager because the they he trusted me to, you know, be the guy to sort of run the place and mm-hmm. when they didn't have enough managers. And so so that was a pivotal point because uh, it put me in management at an incredibly young age. Uh, and I always call them battlefield promotions. You know, if you certain industries, um, you know, and the services industries are notoriously this way, the, they always struggle to get people and to get good people and to get good people that are responsible. So it's a great way, whether you stay in the industry or not, it's a great way to get Uh, phenomenal uh, people experience because Mm -hmm. everything in life you know that you do ends up um, you have to engage with people in some way so the more you know about leading people managing people communicating with people it's um, incredibly valuable so so that was a huge break Um, getting into mcdonald's uh, was a huge break Um, you know a lot of the success that I had uh, came from being a part of a very big and very successful company, a growing company. So there was just, you know, all kinds of opportunities. Uh, And, you know, like my, like I always say, the best hobbies are the ones that make you money. So um, I always had my business on the side, which was the real estate um, that, um, you know, helped me to, you know, not only to um, have a release, Uh, as a hobby, but to make money. And what it helped me to understand, sometimes in big corporations, um, you can get very focused on sort of the job you have, the department you work in, the function that you uh, uh, work in, the the discipline you represent, you know, whatever. And you can lose sight of the, the the whole business. You're disconnected. It's hard to believe, but a business can be so big that you you cannot connect what you do to how a business makes or loses money. It, it doesn't, you know, it just, mm-hmm. the paychecks yeah. come, you come into your office every day, you do your thing. You don't really see it or understand it. It's hard to connect all the dots. So my real estate business, I was always, I always ran a small business. And so for me, that profit orientation was always uh, foremost in my mind in everything I did because I, I, I understood how important that was because, you know, at the end of the day, I realized, well, it doesn't matter how big or small your business is, it has to make money. Mm-hmm. The decisions you make influence whether or not you make money. So I always think it helped me uh, bring an entrepreneurial mindset to um, a big corporate world, which, um, believe it or not, is, is, is lacking many times in, in big businesses.
0: And I'm sure it helped you uh, because you were obviously the sole proprietorship of owning all this real estate. And so it allowed you that every decision you made impacted it on a more intense level than say at the corporate scale, because you had, you controlled every decision, you controlled everything that happened within the company. Yeah,
1: totally. And I'll tell you, not every decision I made was a good one. You know, I bought a few buildings that didn't pan out very well. I bought a tanning salon in the middle of all this. I thought, okay, real estate is kind of boring. I want to buy a business business, you know, and I don't even know if they still have tanning salons or not, but, you know, back in the day, so I bought a tanning, I wanted something that wasn't that hard that I could run remotely. didn't have to be there every day. Well, I lost my shirt on the thing, you know, and and was, it was a real setback. Uh, You know, the economy has ebbed and flowed over time. And uh, you know, like right now with the, you know, COVID-19 virus and everything, it's a, you know, it's a worrisome time for people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so so you learn how to navigate those things and you learn how to, um, you know, patch the roof while the sun is shining mm-hmm. type of thing. So prepare for days that won't be as good as this. If You know, the, maybe the most important lesson I learned uh, was, you know, I always live well below my means because I never stopped saving. There was never mm-hmm. one day since I got my job when I was a paper route guy that I stopped saving. And that's true to this day. You know, I still... Make sure that I'm always saving because you just never know if that rainstorm comes. You've got to have the reserves so that you can, um, you know, you can handle it the right way and, and not be taken out by it. And a lot of people, you know, uh, live very close to the edge and mm-hmm. some have no choice. I mean, it, it, you know, but those that have a choice, you know, salt away a few nuts for a bad day. You'll be happy someday.
0: So I understand you were explaining earlier how you're a very organized and structured guy. Can you go over some of either like the rituals or routines you felt um, are very helpful to you as you were going, growing up and going through life?
1: So the biggest thing, Jack, is, uh, I keep lists. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I can't keep it all in my head. And what I learned a long time ago is, uh, is sleep is very important to me. Uh, energy management is very important to me. I love my rest and I think more clearly I have more energy and I make better decisions when I'm well rested balance, you know, so as I've gotten older about exercise and re- balance and having the right amount of, of, of variety in your life. So you stay balanced. But one of the things I learned was to get a good amount of sleep is I keep I don't keep it here. I write it down. So I have three virtual lists on my phone. I have three to-do lists over there. Uh, I've got my work notes scattered around me since I'm working at home these days. Uh, But I keep lists that every time I have an idea, I write it down. Mm -hmm. It may not be the first thing I want to do. I reorganize my list. I work my list. I make sure the thing, if it gets on my list, it gets done full stop, it gets mm-hmm. done. Uh, and it and it, and it, uh, it happens. Uh, so I would say that's probably, you know, the most important thing. The other thing I try to do is look for ways that I can manage my time so that, you know, I'm not, um, I, I, I you know, I, I try to find synergies in the things that I do. So if I'm heading out on an errand, I'll try to bundle three or four things. I won't go and, you know, it's like I have a check here that I have to deposit at the bank. I'm not going to run to the bank. Well, nowadays you don't even have to do it. Take a picture of it, but I know I'm going to go do that. Uh, you know, on whatever Saturday or something like that. So I'll go to the. You know, logical things. You just bundle all your errands so that uh, your your time is most efficient. One of the things I did um, that um, you know. I think I'd encourage anybody to do this at, at you know, virtually any age. I, I, so I went to graduate school, got my MBA. I was in my, uh, thirties. I was, I don't know, maybe 30, 1996. So 35, 36 years old or something like that. And, you know, I had a young family and everything. And I, 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 I wrote a bucket list of all the things that I wanted to do. And, uh, and and uh out of that one of the the top thing that came to my on my list was i wanted a a cottage i wanted to have a place to um to go uh, to park my boat to stay enjoy on weekends and summer weeks and and um and and you know have as an escape but Kind of like, why am I working so hard? Why am I doing all these things? What's the point of all this stuff? You know, mm-hmm. if you don't enjoy it along the way, and yep. at that point I had a family, and so I wanted to enjoy it with them. And so, uh, you know, I went skydiving uh, a year ago, a year almost a year and a half ago now. And believe it or not, skydiving was on my list since you know uh, for for twenty five years or whatever it's been. Uh, and uh, so, but I hadn't, I hadn't hadn't done it. So I'm like, okay, it's on the, it's on the bucket list. So, so I went and did it. So I think it's a combination of having lines of sight to the long-term things that you want to accomplish. You know, what's the purpose? Why am I working so hard? It actually gives you the clarity uh, for the actions you're taking today, how they're going to result in something good down the road, along with the, the to-do lists that are, you know, kind of, so in order for that to happen, here's all the things that, you know, that I got to do. The other thing I do is um, I have, um, I have a series of of documents that I have on the computer. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, 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 I manage the properties are all just dist- I distill everything down into uh, summary form so I can see what's going on in the, in, in a, in a one page snapshot. You know, I like to have things distilled and summarize so that you really extract out the meaning. Uh, and so I will study and study and study. I set annual goals. Um, I have a folder here that has every year on New Year's Day, I, um, I uh, w- will uh, calculate how I did, it's how I keep score, you know, for the year. So mm-hmm. I will calculate my, my, you know, progress for the year. Uh, uh, but then I'll write new goals for the year. Uh, so, for the coming year i 'll sit down and, and I will literally write down you know what are the and i 'll do business goals i 'll do financial goals and i 'll do personal goals and and I do you know all of them uh and I work them all you know and then i 'll pull them out the next year and you know i don 't accomplish them all all of them every year, but you know it 's kind of like what 's the plan every year and that 's just mm-hmm. a good business discipline every year mm-hmm. you 've got to have a plan so between i guess the bucket list of all the things, you know, long-term line of sight, why am I doing this, the annual goal process, and then the short-term, every time something comes to my mind, you know, keeping track of it so that, so that it's there. Helps me sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And I, I also understand that uh, you're obviously a very fit guy. How do you think, like, being able to work out in fitness has played a role um, throughout the years? Well,
1: I will tell you, uh, I never used to have to Think about it or worry about it, and uh, probably now, gosh, maybe 10 years ago, uh, you know, I, I, I um, never really was a guy that went to the doctor very often, but um, you know, the doctor kind of said, Hey, you know, you, I, I was never heavy or anything like that, but it turns out I was thin but not fit. The doctor called me Finny, which is fat and skinny combined. Finny, he said, You look skinny, but you're actually fat because you. know you're not necessarily in good shape and you know my blood works had that and my you know muscle tone and you know a whole variety of things so i i late in life i you know my 50s i learned okay i need to to you know go to work and work out and so the biggest thing i've learned is uh the energy that comes with it um i'm in better shape now than i was in my 40s uh i can do just as much, if not more, as I could. I love to water ski. It's one of my Mm -hmm. passions in life. And I'm probably just as good a skier now as I was when, you know, my 20s and 30s. You know, I'm smarter skier, let's put it that way. I don't fall as much. (laughs) But but yeah, I think the biggest thing is energy. And um, there's nothing that you can accomplish that doesn't require energy. So you have to manage your energy you know, well, and uh, staying fit is a huge part of that. You know, the other thing I'll tell you, um, people just respond better to people that, you know, that look fit. There's a presence that comes with it. Uh, it, You know, I I, I never probably fully, you know, understood or appreciated it, but now certainly as, you know, someone in their 60s, you know, you don't want to look like you're old. You Mm -hmm. you want to come across as that you're young and have energy. And it's not about, you know, the number of years that you have. It's about the energy that you bring to it. So that's, to me, the most important thing of it all. Uh, And I think it's a part about balance. It's back to that balance idea. You want to stay in good shape. You want to get your rest. You want to have other activities, uh, you know, to... um, to, to, to let your mind, you know, wander and do other things from time to time. And so that when you're doing your thing, whether it's school or on your job, whatever it is that you, you know, is the, the required thing you have to do every day that you can, you can be the best version of you, you know, and all that balance stuff uh, really helps you to do that.
0: So what would be some examples? I know uh, you're a very avid skier of those hobbies that you like to keep your mind off of work and such and keep the balance.
1: So I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I'm an adventure guy, an experiential guy. I love to fish. Uh, I love anything on a boat, on the water. It doesn't matter what it is, you know. So I have, uh, you know, th- three and a half boats, uh, you know, for everything from partying and cruising around the lake to water skiing and fishing and everything, you know, in between. Uh, I love to, you know, go. I love to travel. Uh, so a lot of, for me, a lot of it is unplugging, you know, the way, uh, the way I think I, you know, I, life is a series of sprints, you know, and so if you can unplug and, you know, go someplace, uh, you know, on a trip, go visit someplace, go to your cottage, go on a fishing trip, whatever the case may be. And the thing about it that I've learned over the years is it's, um, one part of it is about, you know, sort of wherever you go and whatever experience you have, but a huge part of it and I probably didn't learn this till you know a little bit later in life. But a huge part, and I would argue the most important part, is the camaraderie that you have with whoever you go with. You know, mm-hmm. and so whether it's your family or a good group of friends or whatever, um, it's hugely important. You know, to, yeah. um, to to your you know mental well-being and that balance idea, is to be around uh, people that you enjoy being around and having fun with and letting your hair down and just kind of you know it, 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 having a good time that's what the cottage is all about really at the end of the day you know i'm, I'm i don't shower for a week there and you know i'm happy about it <laughs> i don't smell that great but you know what i don't care
0: mm-hmm. so i wanted to ask you because obviously um you've been a top executive at many companies for many years now what do you think separates the people that are just uh, in a, a standard employee for a long time Or people like you that are able to rise up to that executive level?
1: Great question. Uh, You know, um, I would say, uh, in no particular order, I would say uh, drive, you know, you gotta want it. Mm -hmm. And more than anything, drive matters. Uh, Accountability, you can't shy away from. Owning decisions and owning results, whether they're good or bad, you know, at the end of the day, that matters. Integrity uh, matters a lot. People trust and will follow people that they believe in, and uh, they will figure out people that are not of high integrity. Sooner or later, you get figured out and exposed. Um, And then I think the ability to work with other people is probably if I had to boil it down, that would be my, probably my top four. Um, There's tons of things. Notice I didn't say talent. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are all things that you choose and you can learn. I, I, I work with and for, you know, many people that were sort of only average from a talent standpoint, but they had a lot of other traits that, that they worked on very hard to get where they were. You know, there's a tiny element of luck to it. You know, in my case, the, Opportunity to become a restaurant manager at 17, that was luck. Mm -hmm. I I earned that. Vince Lombardi said, you know, uh, luck is when uh, preparation meets opportunity. Uh, I think it was Vince Lombardi. Somebody said that. But, anyways, I believe that, you know, Mm -hmm. when preparation meets opportunity. So, you, you know, we all have moments of luck in our life. If we don't prepare and we aren't ready for them when they come along, we haven't earned the right to be lucky then you're unlucky. But uh, a lot of people will say, well, you know, so-and-so was lucky and I was not. And they will say they're a victim or, you know, those kinds of things. And I don't it for a minute. I think we all make our own way. You know, and if you want it bad enough, there's no obstacle to keep keep anybody down. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of us have more or less God-given talent, but the the desire, the willpower, the determination, I think, is... Uh, 10 times more important than the underlying talent.
0: So on that note, what do you think that either my generation, the generation coming up, do you you think there's something that they're lacking or that they don't really understand?
1: Oh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, You know, you guys as a generation are smarter and, you know, more worldly and uh, probably exposed to more things, uh, more real things. And I think Mm -hmm. it's hard to get away from it. So I, I think in a lot of ways, uh the the challenge here's what i would say if i were to try to make a generational comment i would say the problem you guys have is too many choices life was simpler uh you know for me and for my dad and for my grandfather you know it was a lot simpler you guys have too many choices uh particularly women you know women that, like all the the barriers and the boundaries and the limitations that women had when I was younger. And again, my parents and that, you know, women have, you know, they, they have the hardest choices because, you know, it's pretty tough to have it all, or at least all at the same time. So, so you have to make decisions about, you know, which things in life you're going to prioritize. Do you want to have a family You know, that? It's tough to balance career and family. Do you want to stay home and all? So women, I think have it hardest. But all of you do because there's so many different choices and avenues and options and ways to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not like sort of one formula. And I would say that it cuts both ways. It's an opportunity, uh, but also a problem. And, I, and, and too many choices can be paralyzing. And so I would say to that, don't wait. Don't let perfect get in the way of good. You know, don't wait for the perfect thing to come hit you in the head. Get out there get a paper out you know go get a restaurant job go get a car wash job go get some job and just get started get in the game you know what mm-hmm. I mean things will unfold from there uh and don't don't be paralyzed by you know somebody else is doing better or i'm not sure i want to do this job i don't care for it enough or you know whatever you know just go and charge into it every day and um, the opportunities will emerge somehow they will Mm -hmm. emerge.
0: Uh, what do you think is one mistake or one lesson that kind of hit you hard that, um, you didn't understand before you got into the business world?
1: Uh, I didn't understand fully the, uh, the, um, how to work with other, it took me a while to learn how to work well with others. I thought I knew it because I had done it at a very young age. Uh, but, um, there's sort of, there's different levels of understanding. And as you grow in a career, the importance of understanding, uh, how to work with other people, it's probably the most important thing that you're always learning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, it turns out that you have to learn a lot about yourself along the way, which uh, shockingly, most of us don't, the person we know the least best is ourselves. Uh, so you have to, you have to commit to continuously learning and continuously learning more about yourself so that you understand your impact on others and you understand uh, how to get the top performance with those that are around you. Uh, and, and, um, and, in, in evolving into leadership roles, uh, takes, um, wisdom and maturity and growth that, um, you, you can't learn it until you're in the seat, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just not, you can, uh, it's like swimming. You can't learn it until you're in the water, you know, and it's the same thing with leadership because very few people that just have all these natural born leadership qualities and skills. Most of us have to learn it by doing it, And so that takes a minute.
0: So how did you, uh, do you think you went about learning to communicate more effectively with others?
1: Well, I mean, a, a lot of, um, a lot of development, you know, so I, I read a lot of books, a lot of the books here behind me on the shelf, some of my, uh, some of my favorites. Um, there's, uh, um, it, it's, it's, and there's no sort of best right one. There's, there's just, um, it's continuing to study and to learn following things that are of interest to you. Um, in, in there, you could spend the rest of your life um, learning all that and not learn half of what's out there. So Mm -hmm. I would encourage you as a, as a, you know, folks that have that career ambition, even if you don't, just being a good neighbor and a good friend and a good spouse and all the rest of that stuff, learning, learning a lot more about yourself and other people, I think is at the center of, of humans coexisting and accomplishing big things.
0: So actually it goes right into it. One of the questions i want to ask you is what are three books that you would recommend for a young person or someone that wants to get into business or develop themselves? Like kind of what are your three top books? What do you think?
1: Ooh, I've got to consult my list because ironically I have a list here and, uh, I gotta see if I can find it. Oh my gosh, for young people, that might be that might be a little different. Let me see. Um, hang on one second, Jack. Sorry. All good. I've got, uh, I I have a list of books that I. Anybody that asks me, you know, what should I, what should I read? I text them this list, and I'm gonna. Sort through it for the ones that make the most sense for younger people. I can find it here.
0: Uh, I'm sorry about this. No worries. We got time. Um.
1: So while I'm thinking, so so some of these are are hard to. Um, hard to take. So one of my favorites is called Crucial Conversations. Um, It really is the study of how to have difficult conversations in our polite, politically correct society. Here it is. In our polite, critically, uh, politically correct society, a lot of times the important things that we need to say and the difficult conversations we need to have, we shy away from. Mm -hmm. And so, and you'll find that's truer as you get older, uh, sometimes. Uh, and so, having a direct conversation with someone is a, is a skill, like any other skill. So, uh, it's one of my it's one of my favorites um, that uh, it, it, that I would recommend. It's uh, got a got a series of authors, so I won't bore you with all of them. Um, the Art of Possibility. I think is uh, an excellent book. It's about transforming professional and personal life. It's about thinking about things, about what's possible. Not all the reasons why I can't get things done and not all the limits and constraints, but um, you know, what, um, what, um, what is possible. One of my all time favorites, I'm going to say my all time favorite and it's a hard one to, it's a hard one to get going on, but I think it's maybe the most important book uh that I've ever read uh is The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Have you heard mm-hmm. of it?
0: Yep, I heard of it.
1: Um it's it's a phenomenally good book. Uh and uh I think it's you know, it's timeless wise advice for anybody at any age and any level. Um I think uh, another good book that I like is uh, "Thinking for a Change" uh, by John Maxwell. He's written a ton of books, uh, but it's about um, it. It gives you a bunch of ideas about uh, how you can approach uh, problems from different perspectives, and not not just lock in on the one way that you might think about it. And so it, it it helps you to sort of see things from different perspectives and. Uh, how to be creative with your decisions and your problem solving. I have a couple others here, but they're probably not, um, probably not especially good for your, for your age group. If you really want to learn something, it's, 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 it's a college level read, but the profit zone, uh, is, uh, by Adrian Slywatsky. It's, (laughs) it's a bit thick for a high schooler, I would say, but, um, if you want to understand business and you want to understand how businesses, the different business models and how businesses make money and why some businesses are worth a lot of money and other businesses aren't worth a lot of money. Uh, that's a, that's a really good one. One of my favorites is, uh, seeing around corners. Um, it's about, you know, sort of anticipating, uh, you know, sort of seeing trends and tying it together and seeing, uh, what, what's going to come next. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, anyways, some of these are a little older. These are books that I read, you know, some years ago. Um, but I, I would put them on sort of the, you know, timeless Goodreads list.
0: Awesome. And then the last question I want to uh, ask you is what advice would you either give to yourself if you could talk to yourself when you were a teenager or to any uh, teenager person in high school today? Um, so, you know,
1: you know how important I think hard work is. So, um, uh, I, I, I would not be, I would not have accomplished what I did without hard work. I would not have the family I have. I would not have the wife I have. I would not have the things I have. Um, I would not, you know, sort of enjoy the things I have without hard work. So, the number one thing I would say to everybody is. Don't be afraid to work hard. Um if I could go back and tell myself something, and I think this would be true to uh everybody, is um it's all gonna work out. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid, have courage, lean in, give it a go, try it. Don't worry about the all the problems that'll come with it. You know, it'll be good. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. The rewards come to those that uh, take the risks and take the chances. Um, and, um, nothing big or especially good in life happens unless you do.
0: Awesome. Well, it was, it was a pleasure talking to you. I, I mean, I learned so much being able to speak with you for this, even this shorter period of time, even though I've known you for years, but, um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, that's it for the 5am hustle podcast As always have a great day. See ya.